Tuesday to everybody. It's Vince Carter, Front Runner Podcast Collective, back on the air. And uh, we are here to talk about the aftermath of the trade deadline and talk about some specific trades as well. We'll go through each team um, and we'll give you kind of a breakdown of what's going on and what were their thoughts behind it. But before we get into that, we want to get into uh, following the podcast, following the podcast on Spotify, on Apple, on Amazon Music, Front Runner Podcast Collective. It's a snazzy uh, logo, if I say so myself. Um, also, what we try to do in that podcast, uh, if you are a loyal listener, thank you so much. For those who are joining us for like the first time, just keep this in mind. Um, if there are certain segments or certain things that you're looking for, we put a pretty um, intense uh, breakdown of what we do in the podcast. So um, if you're not here for the whole podcast and just here for a specific team, we greet you no matter what. Um, so keep that in mind as well. And then let's move over to the social media social uh, da, 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 social media of it all. <laughs> Sorry about that. Tongue twisted. You can follow me on X at Frontrunner PC. Or you can hit my guy Nico at Nico FRPC. You can go to our YouTube channel, which is you can find us either in the search bar through Front Runner Podcast Collective, and then check out the snazzy logo again. Um, or you can put in FRPC events, and that should bring you to the channel as well. Whatever is on this pod will definitely be in those clips, but usually there's maybe a stat or maybe some background information that we did not utilize in the podcast. So keep up to date with all of those. And then the other thing is rate and review us on all the platforms. So on YouTube, subscribe, like, comment. We need it uh, on social media. Just engage with us. Is there if there's a team or a player that we're not spotlighting enough? Let us know. And then also on the podcast level, five stars are great, comments are great, all are welcomed, and we look forward to servicing you. With that being said, let's get to all of what went down with the NBA trade deadline. The reason for the non-show last week at the end of the week. We got puppy issues on a historic level. Max, who is uh, a pug, but he's a puppy. He is a rambunctious little guy. And uh, sometimes it's hard to corral and get him under wraps. So because there wasn't really a lot of crazy information, a lot of great things that happened during that trade deadline, there are a lot of marginal moves, things that definitely help some teams, but nothing earth-shattering. We can go ahead and move it on to this week, but you will be getting two pods this week. So you get one today, and you'll get one at the end of the week. I will make sure of that, but um, I wanted to really dive 
deep into this trade deadline because there were some notable things that happened and there were some notable things that did not happen. And I want to hit on all of those. So where we're going to start off with is that now that the trade deadline is over, you know, basketball, baby, we can really get into the hoops of it. Okay. That's the best part of it. Now we can see the teams are fully formed. This is what they're going to be. Albeit we have a couple injuries to some of our stars, you know, Joel Embiid being one of them. Uh, also, we are not seeing the fully formed Knicks who we'll get to in a second without Julius Randle and OG Ananobi. Get well soon, guys, on that. And then um, let's get into it. The Dallas Mavericks, to me, have improved their team. Now, I've heard through a lot of podcasts, a lot of people who are on ESPN and, and other media types have said that they pretty much mortgage their future. And I understand that because let's go over the trades. The 2024 pick, which is the OKC pick. So OKC, if we know right now, has a really good record. So they're going to finish probably late 20s, 30, you know, late 20s. And if they win the finals, 30. So that pick right there doesn't seem to be a great pick, but this is what they, they gave up. But instead, what they got for it is a 25-year-old rim-running center, uh, rim-protecting center, um, on a good contract. Now, he signed through the 2025-2026 uh, season, and he's not making a ton of money. The other thing is this is that in the game that he played against his former team last night, he scored 16 points, 17 rebounds, and five block shots against the Wizards. So Daniel Gafford has done well in his uh, couple games with the Dallas Mavericks, and it seems like a good pickup. But I want to keep in mind this one thing. 25-year-old bouncy rim running rim protecting center something that that Luca absolutely craves and desires in his heliocentric offense that he likes to run right and he's under a cost control contract those things are very important when we start to talk about did they give up their future the other thing is that in this trade Grant Williams was also sent away in the P.J. Washington trade, which we're going to talk to about in a second. So they sent along a second and a 2027 first top two protected for P.J. Washington. Now, P.J. Washington is also in the same situation. He's 25 years of age. Okay. He's under a pretty good contract. He's also signed through the 2025-2026 season. And he's also a guy who's a little bit bigger than Grant Williams. And we'll touch on the Grant Williams situation in a second. Because I have some information on that that might kind of give you a clue of what actually happened there. But with P.J. Washington, you get a bigger version of Grant Williams. And what you hope for is that the three ball will fall for P.J. Washington. 
Now, P.J. is pretty much kind of an average three-point shooter to just a tad below average. But at the end of the day, the defensive presence that he's going to be able to bring, he has some uh, second-side offense initiation skills that he can bring. And he's just another pressure valve release for Luka if they start to really double him and try to trap him. So I like the pickups. And even though they give up the first round draft picks, you got two guys who are 25 years of age who are signed to pretty good contracts in the low teens for the next couple years who should be additive pieces to the what you're building there right now. And here's the thing. No matter what we say about future and mortgaging and all that, you got to keep Luka Doncic happy. So no moves means a very, very cranky Luka Doncic, and we just can't have that in with the Mavericks. So there we are with that. A uh, couple other things I want to talk about with Washington and Gafford, they just got tremendously bigger. Remember, is Grant Williams and Rashawn Holmes going out? Rashawn Holmes is about six foot eight at the most. A lot of heart, a lot of hustle, but just giving up way too much size. At he plays a strict five position. He's not a four. He's not a wing that can go chase down little guys or anything like that. He's a five. So you replace him with Daniel Gafford, who's 6'11", jumps out the building, is going to definitely deter shots at the rim. So I think that's just an upgrade. Also, you're gaining six, seven years of, of, of experience, you know, so younger legs and things of that nature. And then with P.J. Washington... Grant might be a couple years older than him, but they're fairly similar age. It just comes down to PJ being a better fit there and also just being bigger. He's 6'8". You know, Grant Williams on his best day is 6'6". More like 6'5". But I think this just rounds out that team a lot better. And it is shown in the couple games that both those guys have played in. Now, Scout said to me that was real, it was crazy. He said, so Luca now has, Luca and Kyrie now have four other guys that can score 14 to 18 points consistently. How scary is that? So if you think about it, right, you got, P.J. Washington, Daniel Gafford. You have Maxi Kleba, whatever he's going to give you. You got Jalen Hardy or Jaden Hardy. You also got Dante Axon when he comes back and Derek Lively Jr. So that team is pretty, pretty well to go. And if they can stay healthy and get Derek Lively Jr. back, now you have your center minutes all covered up. All 48 minutes are covered up. However you want to divvy those out, whether it's Gaffer starting and Lively coming off the bench or vice versa, 
you have it. And both those guys, especially at Lively's uh, stage of his career, probably not going to say too much of anything. And if Daniel Gafford comes off the bench, he's probably not going to say too much of anything because he was playing on the Washington Wizards. Let's just remember where he was. Washington, who has not yet hit double digits and wins yet, and we are well into the season, <laughs> okay? 50-plus games, people play 52, 53 games, and the Washington Wizards still are looking for double-digit wins. So I think Daniel Gafford is happy with his lot in life right now, most definitely. A couple other things that happened during the trade deadline that we're going to get to, and then we'll get to the teams and what have you. But I wanted to talk about the Grant Williams situation for one second that maybe people aren't realizing. And here's the thing that people kind of, you know, we we forget about some of the twists and turns in the NBA. And um, with Grant Williams, he played on that real young Boston Celtic team that went to the uh, NBA, what was the Eastern Conference Finals in 2019. Now, that team was led by Jason Tatum, young guy. Jalen Brown, young guy. Kyrie Irving was on that team. So, remember that Kyrie got hurt. And that young team went on a run with Rogier, Grant Williams, and, and the two wings who are leading the Celtics right now, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. There was kind of a divide in that locker room. Um, and you had Smart, and I believe it was Irving and some other, I think maybe Horford or, or somebody like that. And then on the other side, you had Rogier, Grant, Tatum, and Brown. And basically, you know, they were not appreciating the, the, the leadership style and the frankness of, of Kyrie Irving and that's when Kyrie came out and said something like, you know, LeBron was right. You know, it's hard to lead. And, you know, when you're trying to get the young guys to really buy into the game plan and, and get them to play the, the right style of basketball, it's really difficult. And he said that he appreciated LeBron more at that time, which still conjures up rumors of Kyrie Irving coming to the Lakers at some point. And we'll get to those rumors later on in the podcast because they have they have somehow come up again, which is amazing. But we'll get to that later. But getting back to the Celtics and Kyrie in this situation that they had a kerfuffle, if you if you will. So you had two sides, you know, two philosophies. Young guys wanted to eat. They wanted to get out there, show their wares. Kyrie's trying to lead them, saying, hey, there's a better way. You know, they break up. It's a really messy divorce. Kyrie goes to Brooklyn, and Grant stays in Boston. Now we fast forward to October of 2023. Grant Williams and Kyrie Irving are on the same team. Now, 
Kyrie didn't appreciate Grant speaking up and speaking things into existence when he was with Boston. So did you think the vibe was going to change once Grant Williams got to Dallas with Kyrie Irving? No, that dude was out on Grant day one. And the other thing with that is Luca holds him in high regard. Whatever we think of that relationship, whatever we think of that partnership and how it's going to eventually flourish or, or flame out in the playoffs, Kyrie has the respect of Luca to the point where if he don't miss with a certain dude, then Luca don't mess with a certain dude. It's kind of how it goes. Basketball hierarchy is crazy. It works, but it's the greatest soap opera that we have. This is real life reality soap opera. A dude kind of pinched a dude on a t- two teams ago, five, six years ago, and then they come around and then they get traded. You know, a trade comes about. Kyrie comes into Dallas last year. Grant comes into it this year. And because the status situation of Kyrie, he can get Grant Williams pushed out of there. So those are my thoughts on that. So the New York Knicks had themselves a day on the trade deadline. Uh, they, They grabbed some reinforcements by fleecing the Detroit uh, Pistons. Sorry, Pistons fans. We'll get to you later. So they they pilfered Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burke out of out of their put put them in their rotation. And what they gave up was Quentin Grimes, good young player, Malachi Flynn, who is a G League legend. Villanova, uh, Villanova satellite uh, contingency, Ryan Archie Dion, D- 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 what, what is it? Diacono. And also, Evan, please do not ever look at Google Fournier. Okay, guys, again, if you Google Fournier, it's never going to turn out good. So don't do it. Um, but the good thing is, is that Evan is free because he was in witness protection in New York City for like the last three years. Because Tom Thibodeau would not play that guy. So the Knicks get two rotation pieces for their team who, listen, the Calvary is here. Man, let me, let's let's be real about what's going on. You got OG Ananobi out. You got Julius Randle out. You got Mitchell Robinson out. You got Isaiah Hartenstein out. You got a lot of pieces out. So Having Boyan Bogdanovich in there and Alec Burke will help. Uh, can't come along anytime sooner. Now, once all the pieces are together, there's a lot of people in New York City that are hype about the Knicks, and I don't blame them. Because if you look at the team, if you look at how it's ab- absolutely constructed, this is a Tom Thibodeau team. No questions whatsoever. So now, with that being said, 
if it's a Tom Thibodeau team, the things that we know about is that it's going to play defense, it's going to be hard-nosed, and it's going to be a bunch of tryhards. A bunch of tryhards. You got Jalen Brunson. You got DiVincenzo. At some point, you're going to have OG Ananobi, Julius Randle, and there's a good chance that Mitchell Robinson comes back before the end of the year. Now, that means on your bench, you have Hart, okay, Josh Hart, you got Boyan Bogdanovich, Alec Burke, um, and I'm missing a guy. Who am I missing? Hartenstein. So, I mean, you got pieces that are extremely helpful. And also, the other thing that goes along with this is that you got pieces that have Burks has experience with Tibbs because he was there a couple years ago and Boyan Bogdanovich has a ton of playoff experience. So you're getting valuable pieces that can help you now. And as always, they did not pull from the first round picks. All this was done with smoke and mirrors and seconds, ladies and gentlemen, the Knicks, and their front office are all grown up. We can no longer laugh at the Knicks front office for going to get age superstar on their last legs and try to bring some excitement to the garden. They've actually built this team systematically. They have done it in a judicious way where they still have picks available. So they're in prime position for whatever superstar comes loose during the offseason. We just got to give that organization, Leon Rose, Horowai West, all the just the compliments in the world because they built the team. They're very, very competitive. And they don't have all their pieces. So, man, great job by the New York Knicks during the trade deadline. So, uh, couldn't be more excited for Knicks fans. Couldn't be more excited for the New York area as a whole. Because, uh, let's see, football teams didn't do great this year. Sorry, it might be too soon, right? Baseball teams didn't do too well last year. So the Knicks doing great things. This is good for New York City. Love it. All right. Let's get to the rest of the teams and what they did during the trade deadline, if they did anything whatsoever. So the Celtics got Xavier Tillman from the Memphis Grizzlies. I love this piece because it's a it's a depth piece. Um it is injury security for their big man, Porzingis and Al Horford. Al Horford, who is 78 years old. Shouts out to the senior citizen of the NBA. Um, now the Celtics didn't pick up the six foot five to six foot six guard they were looking for. Maybe that will happen in the buyout, even though Spencer Dinwiddie, who we'll talk about a little bit later is now off the market. Um, it's not like the Boston Celtics needed a ton. They probably didn't want to mess with any of their chemistry. 
They're playing well. They're playing together. Uh, they're probably still working in some of the situational things that they want to be aware of before the playoffs hit. You know, you guys think you still got Drew Holiday, who's new, and you got Porzingis, who's new. So adding a, a real difference maker, which they didn't really have the capital to go out and do real difference maker, but bringing in a solid vet like Xavier Tillman will definitely help. On to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Make moves? Nah, bruh. We don't need to make moves here in Cleveland. Um, As of late, they won 17 of 18. Uh, they Since January 1st, they lost one game. That's it. Now, a lot of that was without Garland and without Evan Mobley. Now those guys are back. And there seems to be, in that time frame when they were out, there seems to be a hierarchy that is clearly has been set. Donovan Mitchell is now the tip of the spear of the offense, and Jared Allen is spearheading the defense. So I think what we found out is that at this point, uh, J.B. Birkenstab deserves a lot of credit because there was things coming out of there that he might have been on the hot seat earlier in the season. Now, they'll probably deny it now, but there were reports that, hey, if this kind of goes south, we might be looking to go ahead and do a coaching change. Now, it's all worked out. Donovan Mitchell is playing out of his mind, averaging like 27, 28 points a game and like seven, eight assists a game. Jared Allen has been a double-double pretty much throughout this whole situation. And now, if you think about it, you get Darius Garland back, a very good scorer, somebody who can initiate offense for him, you know, to run the offense or get offense for herself or, or others. Evan Mobley, here's one key little thing with Evan Mobley's return. In the couple games that he's come back, he has shot 10 three-point attempts. Now, in the 23 games prior, he shot 11 total. So somebody got into Evan Mobley's ear saying, hey, dude, you need to shoot threes. Whether you hit them or not, you need to shoot them because this is how we play now. So Evan Mobley, since he's come back, he's 6 of 10. I don't want anybody to get real, really excited that he's become some sort of marksman. He's found it. But it's encouraging that he's getting up the velocity of shots now is that if he's going to be an actual threat where he's going to shoot threes and he's going to be somebody who's not going to have to be begged to shoot threes, he doesn't have to shoot a lot, a lot of them. But if he can shoot three or four a game and be in a situation like, oh, bro, I hit these, then you got to respect him and you have to go out to that three-point line which opens up the paint for Donovan to get in there and do his thing or kick it out to a three-point shooter, either way. 
So I like that the Cleveland Cavaliers stood still. Um, there were rumors about Donovan Mitchell being on, you know, because of his impending free agency a couple years from now. Everybody was hyped about whether they were going to move on from Donovan, but they didn't. And I'm glad they didn't. So kudos to them. Now, the Bucks, they get Pat Bev, uh, which is interesting because Damian Lillard and Pat Bev have some issues in the past. Uh, Dame has sent uh, Pat Bev home, waved at him, said, hey, peace, see you later. So, you know, they'll have to clear that up. But Pat Bev, you know what he's brought there for. He's brought there to be a dog on defense. He's brought there to bring some some nasty to their defense because we got some guys out there thinking that his club met, that we had some sort of, like, Atlantis. We had some sort of resort walking around with uh, umbrellas in our drinks and stuff like that. No, it's time to lock in. It's getting closer to playoff time. Okay? It's time to lock in. So they got Pat Bev to help them. Now, I don't know if Pat Bev is going to be the same guy he was four or five years ago, but any sort of help or anybody who has a pair of eyes that can help on defense will be extremely helpful to the Milwaukee Bucks. I do have one concern or one plea to Doc Rivers. Could you please play the rookie out of UConn, Andre Jackson Jr., meaningful minutes? I know you won't because he's a rookie, but we're begging you to play somebody less than 30 years old. Just maybe do that. Play somebody who's less than 30 years old Maybe they'll give you a spark, some energy. I don't know. But my mans, I, I hope you can get that rotation together. And we'll have more on the Bucks later. I have a question that I want to ask you guys. The next we discuss, we discuss what they what they are, what <laughs> what they've done for Tibbs. I know Tibbs is so happy. I know this is like Christmas with the fourth of July and his birthday and his wedding all wrapped up into one. <clears throat> all right, the 76ers, they add and they sold. Okay, so Daniel House Jr., Pat Bev, of uh, uh, Furcon Korkmaz, and Jalen Springer all leave. Basically, sharpshooter Buddy Hill comes back from the Pacers. They added another ancillary piece. And uh, Cameron, what was it? Cameron Payne from Milwaukee as well. So they get Buddy Hill. They move out some pieces that weren't really part of their rotation except for Pat Bev. I think all in all, good situation. You don't know if you're going to get Joel Embiid back anyway. Get a sharpshooter. See what Maxi can do as kind of the primary focus of all of the defenses that he is going to face for the rest of the year. The Orlando Magic, no moves came from the Orlando Magic. And I, I heard some of my brethren in podcast land 
and also on uh some of like the regular mainstream media talk about how Orlando not identifying a point guard and, and getting getting somebody in there for the for Bancaro and Franz Wagner and how bad that was. I'm actually in complete disagreement with that. The reason why is because Bancaro, who is absolutely electric, is in his second year. Franz is in his third. Um Anthony Black, we don't have any idea what he can be. Cole Anthony is playing great basketball. And, yeah, Mark Harrell Fultz might not be the best point guard on the face of the planet, but he's serviceable for what they are right now. And there's been a bunch of losing going on in Orlando, and they're building some chemistry. They're building building blocks of, uh, you know, good habits. That's a lot of the key phrases that you hear around the Orlando Magic organization is that we're just trying to get better every single day. We're trying to improve every single day and string along good habit days a lot. And they seem to be enjoying playing with one another. I don't think there's a mad rush to go out and get somebody to, uh, in a sense, escalate their their their. I guess whatever their plight is for the playoffs this year. Get into the playoffs, you know, or the clan or whatever, get some experience, see what it's like. And then, you know, let's see what the guys are. And then let's see what you actually need. The Heat, they did their work early. They got Terry Rozier. I know so far he has a shot well, but I'm still in on Terry Rozier as a Miami Heat, so good for them. Oh, by the way, we did a whole thing on Terry Rozier trade when uh, we did a bonus pod, so go back and get the archive pods. We told you, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple, or wherever you like to enjoy listening to your podcast. Go get the archive pods. All right, we'll move along to the Chicago Bulls. Um, I I don't even know what to say anymore about what Chicago's doing. I'm I'm angry for the fan base. I understand that Ryan's door. Okay, let's talk about this real quick. Arturis uh, Karnasovich came out and made a statement and said that he he alone made the decision not to tear down the team. And he said that he had complete autonomy to tear down the team whenever he felt the need to do so. And he said, at this point in time, I do not feel the need to do so. Okay. I understand that Zach Levine chose surgery Instead of going to Detroit, I get it. But you had Alex Caruso, you had DeMar DeRozan's expiring contract. Caruso was very, very uh, wanted around the league. Golden State was heavy in on Caruso. I know the Lakers made calls on Caruso, and I'm sure several, several teams. 
made calls on Caruso. That I know for a fact. But where Chicago has decided to do, where they decided to go is this. We're going to ride this out with DeRozan. We might re-sign him. Who knows? We're going to re-sign a 35-year-old guy. Great. We, we got Caruso under contract. We could trade him next year. But I don't know if his value is any higher than what it's going to be right now. Because he's actually hitting three-pointers, and he's still defending at an incredible level. But with all that being said, they decided not to do that and try their stakes out in the play-in. Now, you could say, hey, they're trying to stay competitive. Or you can say, hey, it looks like you're going for the quick buck. Let's get some people in the in the uh, seats, and let's see if we can get into some of this play-in money. And not let's not do what's right for the team. No. Let's not do what's right for the health and the future of this team. By the way, Kobe White is playing out of his mind. Could you imagine if you were to turn DeRozan into a couple young pieces that maybe are not being used properly? Could you imagine Moses Moody pairing with Kobe White? These are the type of things that they couldn't see past their supposed, supposed competitiveness in the plan, right? But I'm I'm really angry for, for Chicago Bulls fans at this point. Atlanta Hawks, nothing. Absolutely nothing. So um DeJounte Murray on the block, Clint Capella, we heard a lot about that. We heard a lot about um Bogdan Bogdanovich. We heard a lot about all these names, but for some reason nothing came to fruition. Now, the problem is is that the Atlanta Hawks distressed DeJounte Murray's value. And I'll tell you why. It was a bad fit from the start, right? It wasn't a good fit. And he can't flourish with Trey Young being his backcourt mate. If you look at the numbers when Trey is off the court and DeJounte Murray is controlling the offense, his splits are still like at an all-star level. It's like 25 points and like seven assists and you know, whatever case may be. But when he's playing with Trey, which he has to, because Trey is the guy in Atlanta, it's just not as effective at all. Both guys need the ball in their hands, and they both cannot have it at the same time. So the Nets... Did a couple little things. They got Dennis Schroeder from Toronto. I like that pickup. And then they got also Thaddeus Young, which ended up to be a buyout, and we'll talk about Thaddeus later. Spencer Dinwiddie went to the Raptors, and then he got bought out, and we'll talk about him later. And so... The Nets picked up a guard that, in a sense, was going to be a more energetic 
version of Spencer Dinwiddie and do maybe a couple of little things that Spencer Dinwiddie is not really known to do. Dennis Schroeder is an irritant. Um, He can be kind of a pest on ball. And I think with wings like they have in Brooklyn, when you have Mikael Bridges, you have Cam Johnson, they kept Dorian Finney-Smith as well. The only wing they gave up is uh, Royce O'Neal, and we'll get to that later. But with all this being said, they didn't really do anything. They're looking to push off into the offseason and then start assessing what they have and what they want to build around. So the Raptors did a whole bunch of stuff. So Masai Jerry comes off a two-year hiatus, and then he just goes on a trade frenzy. You know, it started with OG, then he traded Pascal, and then just during the trade deadline, he went crazy. You know, he was like, I'm going to trade this guy, trade this guy, he's all out. But I, the one thing that I will ask this is, is, does, is it, is it being Canadian or is it that Messiah Jerry has an affinity for older Caucasian bigs? And the reason why I ask that is that a year ago, you traded a first round pick for Jakob Pertle. This year, you traded a first round pick for Kelly Olenek. Because Kelly Olenek came over um, as well as Ochai Egbaje. He came over from the Utah Jazz. Utah gets a first-round pick. Kudos to Danny Ainge on that. But I'm, I don't understand the build. Now, if you're saying, hey, we got plans to keep Olenek, all this other stuff, okay, I just the first-round pick part of it just didn't make a lot of sense, but it is what it is. All right, moving right along. We get to the Charlotte Hornets, and I have some things to say about them. The Charlotte Hornets organization acted in a responsible way. Um, they took on Kyle Lowry's contract. Now he's being bought out, and he's going to Philadelphia. But for their efforts in doing that, they got a 2027 first-round pick. Then they took on... Uh, Monies of Davis Bertans. Um, and they got some young pieces with that. They got Trey Mann. They also got uh, Vasily Michich, who I like a lot. And they got a couple seconds for that. Now, Mitch Kupchak, who has been the GM for the Charlotte Hornets for a while, he was under the Michael Jordan, uh, I'm sorry, Michael Jordan regime. Now, he is going to be the consultant to the team as they start to move forward with in a new direction with their new front office, which they haven't picked yet, and also probably new head coach because I would think that Steve Clifford is on his way out after this year. But I think that the Hornets acted responsibly in this trade deadline. I think they did what they were supposed to do. You weren't going anywhere. Go ahead and acquire picks for, you know, assets that you can use down the road. It was really good 
maneuvering by Mitch Kupchak on the way out, I must say. The Wizards, we also have to give a little credit to. The Wizards slowly, ever so slowly, are starting to do the, the right things as well. Um, they get Rashawn Holmes in the deal for Gafford. They get a first-round pick for that. So anytime that you can get a first-round pick for what I would consider a backup center, that's always a good deal. Now, the Pistons. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, so let me get this straight. You trade for Simone Fontecchio like the day before. Not a bad pickup. A big that can shoot. Never a bad thing. You give up a high second round pick in that situation. Then you make the trade and you get you I don't know what I have no idea what Detroit is doing. I just I don't I'm sorry. It makes no sense. Why is Troy Weaver still making deals? Is he making deals? Is it Arm Tellum? I don't know who it is. But stop making deals. Just just stop. Just somebody get a hold of that franchise. Stop. I don't even want to go through their thing. It's it's depressing. They gave up second rounders. They got they got fleeced in a Boyan deal because they didn't trade Boyan a year earlier. That's the whole point of this thing. It's like you you held on to Boyan Bogdanovich for all this time. You know? Like you sit there and you have a piece that everybody wanted last year. Could have got a first round pick for him, or that's what was being told, or whatever. Then you hear a report, oh, we want two first round picks for him. And then nothing happens. So this year, you trade him for like a second. Like, it's crazy to me what's going on in Detroit. All right. Now, let's get to happier times. T-Wolves. They get Monty Morris. I mean, come on, dude. This is no-brainer. This is Mike Conley Jr. insurance. This is somebody who can run the second unit. This is absolutely no-brainer. He has the experience with... um. With uh, Tim Conley, who's the GM up there. So, great. Clippers, they did all their work early. Harden, everything is working out great. They are so scary. The Clippers are so, so good. And it's hard for me to say that, but they are so good. The Thunder, the OKC Thunder, they chose veteran leadership. In Gordon Hayward from the Charlotte Hornets. For pieces, honestly, that except for man, I mean, nobody was really part of that rotation that they got rid of. We liked it for Charlotte because that was responsible on their end because they got a first round draft pick out of it. And we also like it for OKC because Gordon Hayward does a lot of the same things, maybe not as spectacular as Josh Giddy, 
But Gordon Hayward can knock down an open shot. Josh Giddy cannot. So with that being said, Josh Giddy is now got Gordon Hayward. And if for some reason they feel like Josh Giddy is just being left, which he is, he's being completely ignored behind the three-point line. And that's a fact. So with Gordon Hayward, if he can stay healthy and provide 16 to 18 minutes a game, along with Case and Wallace, you can piece together that fifth spot in the rotation for the OKC Thunder. But I thought it was a it was a good move to get some veteran leadership in there. Somebody who went through the playoff wars, Gordon Hayward. Low maintenance guy. Love it. The Nuggets just stay with the kids. Calvin Boo gave a a uh an interview, I think it was on the ringer with uh Kevin O'Connor, and he talked about how he had belief in the draft that he's had over the last couple of years. Christian Brown, Julian Strother. Um, Peyton Watson, and he's going to give those guys every opportunity to play themselves into the rotation for the playoff run. So they didn't do any moves, which, hey, man, Calvin believes in his guys. The Suns picked up Rose O'Neal, and that was their big pickup from, you know, in the trade deadline. Now, Since then, they have also picked up Thad Young, who was the buyout. So they got actually a little bit bigger, and they got another piece that they can rely on off that bench because we all know it's predicated on the three guys, Bradley Bill, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. Nurkic is there for size. Uh, Grayson Allen has been an absolute fine for them. He's been shooting the lights out. Eric Gordon provides leadership, veteran leadership, and a steady hand. Royce O'Neal just gives him more depth that you can really count on, that you know he's been in big games, and so the lights aren't going to be too bright for him. And Thaddeus Young just gives you more size and more versatility up front that you didn't have. So, Kudos to the Phoenix Suns doing what they could do with what they had. Man, it was crickets in New Orleans, right? It was crickets along the bayou. Nothing. I actually think they were a team that could screen consolidation trade. We talked about it in previous pods, um, some of the trade ideas. I've been trying to trade Zion for since, like, last year, but um, it's actually coming kind of like almost like a running joke on the podcast, but um, they didn't. They stood pat. I think they really just want to see it. I mean, we really haven't experienced Zion in the playoffs, and right now they're playing well. Zion is putting up really good numbers, staying healthy. That's the most important thing. I just want him to stay healthy. I just want to see it in the playoffs, and I hope that this is the year. 
So the Sacramento Kings were also dormant as well. Um, a lot of people were hoping that they did something. Um, they didn't. Um, really what it comes down to is I don't think there was anything of of note on the market for them to actually get. And I know you'll say, well, well, Kyle Kuzma and Pascal Siakam. Well, problem is, is that Pascal somehow, some way, whatever conversation went down with Monty McNair and Pascal's agents or whatever, he wasn't really excited about going to Sacramento anymore. So he goes to Indiana. He's probably going to sign a contract with the Pacers. I don't ever think the Kyle Kuzma thing ever got legs because Kuzma's come out and said that I guess it was a trade on the table for Kuzma to go to Dallas and he decided to stay in Washington. So I don't know if Sacramento really even had the capability of prying Kyle Kuzma away from Washington. So we talked about the Mavs and what they did. Okay, the Lakers. So <laughs> I know we talk a lot about the Lakers on this podcast. I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm a Laker fan. I've been one since I was like six, seven years old. I'm now 51 years of age. So sue me. The one thing that I will say is that um, I really like that they didn't do anything at the trade deadline. Do not spend future assets on a on a team that really hasn't given you any reason to say, okay, if we get this one piece, it's going to make us a absolute no doubt about it contender. There wasn't a piece on the market like that. Now you go to the offseason, you kept your powder dry, and you're going to get reinforcements because two other picks are going to come loose that you can now go ahead and trade. With all that being said, there's two things that I want to say about this. One, LeBron James. If LeBron James now perceives this as a slight, and decides that he no longer wants to be a Los Angeles Laker. One, LeBron is not going to leave $51 million on the table. I do not believe that. Now, you could you could scare me with Philadelphia and that they would be able to accommodate LeBron and his salary demands. But I don't see Daryl Morey spending 40-something-plus million dollars on LeBron James at age of 39 going into year four, uh, his uh, age 40 year. I don't see it. So, if you're telling me the Knicks, okay. But that means he is going to opt into his contract, and that means we're going to get something back for LeBron. Plus, again, LeBron has built a lot of stuff in L.A. He has his production company. He's making moves in the entertainment field. 
He wants to own the Vegas team, the expansion team. You can do all that close by in L.A. So I don't see him going anywhere. And then the other thing is Spencer Dinwiddie, the pickup that they got. I mean, honestly, good pickup. You didn't give anything for him. You know, you're in a situation where he can give you good minutes off the bench if you're going to go with Reeves and Russell in your starting lineup. Here's another guy who can play alongside those guys, either one of them, and then provide another ball handler that you need to give LeBron a break. So, good deals to them. The Warriors stayed quiet. They did a salary dump with uh, Corey Joseph. That was the only thing they did. Um, Again, same song with the Lakers. If there was no real way to improve the team, to really enhance the chances of being a real contender, why do anything? Andrew Wiggins is at his lowest value. Uh. You know, you're not going to get anything for him. You would have had to attach stuff to make it work. So, no, I don't see that. The Jazz getting a first-round pick for a 30-plus-year-old backup is amazing. Also, this freed more uh, space and time for now uh, their first-round pick, Taylor Hendricks, who hasn't gotten a lot of playing time. Ochai Abaji being out, this means that Keontae George and uh, the rest of the guards can have a a little a little easier maneuverability around the minutes and things of that nature. So I think this is a win-win. I think Danny Ainge is, is doing an incredible job in Utah again. The Rockets, they picked up seconds. They just kept acquiring picks. They're just stockpiling the kitty. They didn't really do anything um, of note. Jalen Green, who was kind of rumored out there, they decided, obviously, to hold on to the young talent. I don't blame them. Um, The Grizzlies got off Xavier Tillman's contract, which, you know, right now they're not going anywhere. The Trailblazers, oddly quiet. And was really surprised that Malcolm Brogdon didn't move. Now, you can give me the, oh, he's a steady veteran hand that this team needs. Well, I would tend to disagree with that for one reason only. You got Anthony Simons, who is coming into his own. And then you have Scoot Henderson, who you drafted third overall, and you have Shaden Sharp. All three of those guys need enough runway to enhance their skills, to see where they are in their developmental path. And I think that Malcolm Brogdon, which he is a good vet, he does provide some stability to your offense. I just don't know where you're going and I would just love to give Scoot as many minutes as possible. Because Scoot Henderson supposedly is the future. You got rid of Dane for this for this guy. 
So let's try to get him out there as much as possible. That's just my opinion. So the Spurs have also gone crazy. So after years and years and years of not doing anything at the trade deadline, their motto was like, we like to do our business in the offseason, have a whole year with the person that we're bringing in or whatever. So last year, they traded Yaka Pertl at the deadline, got a first-round pick. This year, they trade Dougie McBuckets, Doug McDermott to the Pacers for some future seconds. So my man Pop going crazy down there in San Antonio. So, all right. The last thing that I want to get to today is this. Um, Doc Rivers. What's reasonable? What's reasonable to expect from Doc? Let me ask these these couple questions. Excuse me. So, how it all started, right? Milwaukee goes in. They're the first seed overall last year. Mike Mike Budenholzer is the coach. They get ousted in the first round. Jimmy Butler plays out of his mind. And all the role players, like Max Struess and all these other guys, lead Miami to a first-round victory over the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, Mike Budenholzer, who had been the coach, who had won a championship with them, had devised a system that led them to that championship a couple years back. He gets ousted. They said that the system was too archaic. We needed a change. We needed to do something different. In comes Adrian Griffin. Now, Adrian Griffin, well-respected, around the association, had toiled as an assistant coach for a long period of time, and he actually flourished as an assistant coach underneath underneath Nick Nurse in the Toronto Raptors, and he was there, I think, in 2019 and everything when they were in a championship. So Adrian Griffin's been doing this for a long time. and Also, he's an NBA vet, played in the league for a while, so... This was the new blood that supposedly Giannis wanted and whatever. So we're not going to get into the whole Adrian Griffin of it all because I want to focus on Doc. So you know what happens. All hell breaks loose. And now 50 plus games into the season. The franchise has to decide to go out and oust Adrian Griffin. And bring in Doc Rivers. So, with all that being the backdrop, here's my here's my thing. What's fair? What's what's honestly fair to expect from Doc Rivers in his system or his imprint on on these bucks? This is what we know. We know that there's no practice time. Practice time is limited during the NBA season. It's really just getting shots up, uh, independent work. There's not a lot of time to really implement system 
systematic change. You have to kind of do things on the fly, what have you. The other thing is that there's no other time to kind of recreate a training camp. Not just the training camp with putting the system in. It's really the time where you as a coach can set expectations for said guy. Because remember, the one thing that we do know about sports is this. Everyone will be treated fairly. They're not necessarily going to be treated the same, though. We're going to treat Giannis and Dane differently. Then we're going to treat, let's say, Bobby Portis or whatever the case may be, right? It's just going to be different. And then this is the other question is, how does Doc gain trust equity with his two stars over this, like, abbreviated period of time? Right? Those are the questions that we have with that. Is the media going to jump down Doc's ass if they don't make the finals or the Eastern Conference finals with all this as a backdrop? And then what's the last, the last question is really for Bucks fans. So for my hashtag fear the deer family, what is a successful season for the Bucks this year? Knowing all of what you know, knowing all of the stuff that started in training camp with Terry Stotts, Adrian Griffin, the problems he had with the team, he now being let go, Doc Rivers coming in with like, like what, 33 games left in the season. This is not his staff, right? So I wonder what it is to what we can really honestly expect from Doc Rivers this year. Because remember, now this is a completely different situation. Quinn Snyder last year is doing basically the same exact thing that Doc Rivers is doing this year. Now the difference is that he's taken over at, he took over at Atlanta Hawks team um, and he was given autonomy to do what he thought was right to reshape the roster and the system for to work better for Trey Young and, and, and everybody there, right? So we have that. Now, here's the other thing that we do know about Atlanta. They have shown some patience with Quinn Snyder because it didn't go well. We know some of the issues that are going on now. We talked about it. DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, how it doesn't work, right? So he's getting even more runway in his situation going now into what I would consider year two next year for him. This is his first full year, right? So that we have that. Now, I will tell you, I do understand how different this situation is that we're talking about. When you're talking about um, the Milwaukee Bucks, you're talking about a situation that is is a championship situation. Doc Rivers inherited a championship team with championship aspirations. 
I don't know if it's feasible to think those things after coming in at the midpoint of the season and not being able to implement your system and be able to build that equity that you need between the stars, whether you have that trust in the coach that he's doing everything in his power to allow those guys to be as successful as possible. All right, man, that is it for the show. Again, I would just want to tell you my appreciation for all our loyal listeners and the, and the people that support on YouTube and on uh, Twitter. Man, just we appreciate you guys. I will tell you that I see just different things lighting up in different parts of the country. Um, we're so appreciative that we can bring you this uh, podcast every single week. Remember, there will be a podcast later on in the week. And as always, be easy and we will see you down the road.